Hello and welcome to another edition of the EMJ podcast. I'm Simon Cowley, I'm one of the associate editors on the journal and I'm going to be taking you through the highlights of this month's EMJ, March 2017. Again, it's another great month in the journal, we've got some fantastic papers in there, but there's a few which I particularly want to highlight and ones which have been identified by my friend and colleague Professor Rick Boddy who's done the primary survey this month. And the first paper is going to be controversial because it's about cricoid pressure. And this is something which has been keeping the FOMED world and Twitter alive for some time. Got to say, getting a bit bored of it now, but not really. Can I say that? Can I say I'm going to get bored of it? Perhaps. It's just it's been talked about an awful lot. And the reason for that, I think, is there's just such contrasting information out there. There's a fabulous set of lectures and presentations by John Hines, if you want to go and search that on Google, from the SMAC conference about whether we should use cricoid at all and when you actually delve into it the evidence is not that great. It's good that we've got another paper in the journal about whether or not we should be using cricoid during emergency intubation and we don't really have much from randomized controlled trials yet but in this month's issue Caruana et al have provided some important new evidence. Now it's a retrospective analysis and we know there are problems with retrospective analyses but it's 1,195 patients undergoing pre-hospital intubation And interestingly, they didn't find that cricoid pressure was found with um, difficulty in laryngoscopy. They did some propensity score matching, which is interesting. We'll talk about that more later. And there were no apparent differences in the instance of complications with or without the use of cricoid, other than an increase in the proportion of patients sustaining airway trauma when cricoid pressure was used. So ultimately, we've, we've now got more reason to question the routine use of cricoid pressure. So it's a question for you, really. Is it something you're using at the moment? And if you are, would this push you to not? Because there's a lot of evidence out there that suggests it could cause problems. Or are you going to carry on doing what you're doing because that's the standard of care? And this is a really tricky one. So have a look at that and have a think. And then next time you're in the recess room and you're doing your RSI, well, what are you going to do? We're here to provide the evidence, but you've got to make the decisions. So over to you. But Have a good think about it. It is one of those big controversies that keeps going around and around on Twitter, but ah, we need some really high quality evidence. So this is certainly informing that debate. So get out there and read the paper. Now, we did say I was going to talk a little bit more about propensity score matching. And I'm sure many of you, including myself, when I first read this, went, "Ooh, statistics, yummy. Mm, I love statistics. Actually, I do. But that's because I'm probably a bit of a geek and a nerd. But It is important. If you're going to read papers and you get interested in understanding the evidence, we do need to have a basic knowledge of statistics. So you're you're not alone. And I think most emergency physicians probably need a little help when it comes to interpreting some of the more complicated stats analysis we get in the literature. And if you feel that way, you'll be pleased this month that we have the first in an occasional series of articles on stats concepts that go a little bit beyond the basics of sensitivity, specificity, etc., These articles are providing a little bit of helpful tutorial to readers to increase their skills of critical appraisal of the future. And I think it's nice this month because we can illustrate the concepts linked to the original article, which is the one by Caruana on cricoid pressure. So that one's going to be free to access as the editor's choice, which is fantastic. So have a look at that and improve your stats knowledge. Next, we're going to have a look at a paper around those patients who come to the ED which is a big thing by ambulance. So presumably there's a reason why they came, but then don't wait. And they're quite an interesting group, really. And we have, well, we're all under pressure at the moment and we're facing considerable difficulties in seeing the patients in the emergency department. So it does seem a bit odd that they arrive and then they take their own discharge, which, you know, it's just odd. So it's an interesting group to have a look at. So Dupe et al. explore the characteristics of patients who do just that. 
And interestingly, compared to other patients, they found that the patients who called the ambulance and did not wait were more likely to have a history of substance abuse and to live in low-income areas. So there's sort of social reasons why this might be happening. And identifying the characteristics of patients who exhibit this behaviour will help emergency physicians to create individualised management plans to deal with the apparently unhelpful patterns of seeking healthcare. But is it really unhelpful or difficult? I think it's probably just something that's tricky. Those characteristics of substance abuse and low income are associated with difficulties in accessing healthcare and getting good quality lifestyles, really. So maybe this is a group of patients who we should be spending a little bit more time thinking about. This month, we're also looking at another study looking at the difficulty in rapidly and accurately estimating the weight of children in the paediatric ED. It's pretty important, but it is quite challenging. And I think anybody who's got children will know that if you look at the school photo, the children of any age are just wildly different in size and height and weight. And that's been a challenge for a long period of time. We've got techniques such as using the Broslow tape and we've got formulas in things like APLS, but we know that they're not exactly brilliant. So in this month, Youngertel report on the accuracy of a new rolling tape device with wireless transmission. Sounds funky. And they demonstrate that its use enables faster and more accurate weight estimation, things like the Broslow tape. However, they go further still, using the rolling tape to lead to faster orders for resuscitation drugs and defibrillation in cardiac arrest. And that's important because that's a clinically important outcome. So is this something that we should be doing? Well, have a look at it. It's nice new technology. I think for me, it's the key about whether or not it can make a difference to patient care. And if it does, then maybe it's something we should be looking at. Now, I've had an interesting life as an emergency physician. I've done lots of interesting things. And one of the things I did do was looking at my research portfolio, published a few papers and been involved in the EMJ, which is obviously about research and publication. And if you are a research active emergency physician, you might be interested in tracking your progress in relation to others around the world. How do you do that? Are you fast? Are you slow? Are you about on track? Are you going to be a superstar? Who knows? In the issue this month, Miro et al. explore how we can look at that and the progress of researchers in emergency medicine using something called the H-index, which is a, a measure of how much publication you're getting and how often you're quoted. And you can look up H-indexes for various different people. You can look up mine if you go to Google Scholar, if you wish. And it's an interesting way of getting some comparisons between the research output of different physicians. And it's used... It's used across all specialties, actually. It's not just medicine. And it is an interesting one. So what they did is they tracked the H-index of a selected group of academic emergency physicians. Now, they did use the editorial boards of journals. Now, whether that's the right group, I don't know. Because when I looked through the group of people that they identified, they'd missed some really important people. Okay, I'm not on it, is what I'm saying. But, you know, okay, it's a reasonable group of people to have a look at. And they tracked the H-index and identified people into either fast, medium or slow growth academics. And you can have a look at this and see where you fit in. Don't be discouraged, though. All the authors included in the sample were highly reputable academic emergency physicians, in the opinion of the authors, but they obviously missed at least one. And even those in the slow growth category may therefore be elite researchers. However, have a look at it, see where you are, check out your own H-index. You can do that through Google Scholar if you put your information into there. It's quite easy to do. And see where you are. And then maybe have a look at some other people. Might be interesting. Right. Lastly, this month, we're going to have a look at a paper looking at the pain measures in children. And Brudvik et al. report a fascinating study in which they were asked children to score their pain in the PD. Doctors and parents were also asked to estimate the score. And what do you reckon? Well, read the full article, find out the detail, but you may be surprised to find out how much we underestimate pain and how often we withhold analgesia even for children with severe pain. That's really interesting. It's a sobering reminder that the pain of an individual is a very personal experience and cannot be accurately measured by others. 
So that's all about empowering the child, which I think is a really interesting thing to do. That was March. March has been an excellent month for the EMJ. I'm sure you'll enjoy reading the papers. Have a look at the primary survey. Get out there, have a read of the papers, make up your own mind, think about cricoid pressure, think about pain, think about weights, think about ambulances, and think about your H-index. Where are you? See you next month.